Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. I've been battling allergies for years now. Let me tell you, they've been a real ordeal in my life. Luckily for those of us who live with the symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available release sneezing, a runny nose, itchy and watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. Fast and powerful relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear. Use as directed. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. What's up, gang? Welcome to The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde. I'm so pumped to have you here with me. Now, listen, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. Number one, people who are living their passions. And number two, those who are creating greatness in the world and doing both of these things despite the odds against them. Each episode, we're going to feature interviews with game changers, business leaders, you know, telling us their origin stories, what made them tick, what got them to where they are now. Why? So it can help you step into your greatness within your life, your business, and your career. Occasionally, you might hear a few solo episodes from myself, moi, as I say, as I leverage my 20 years of entrepreneurship as a CEO and founder to help you grow and level up in your journey to scale your life and your business. So, Come be a fly on the wall, enjoy the conversation, and I'm stoked to have you here with me. Guys, welcome to today's episode of The Greatness Machine. I'm your host, Darius Mershazde, and boy, do we have a special guest. My man, Sean McGinnis is in the house. What's up, Sean? Hey, Darius, how are you today? Oh, man, I'm... You know, I just shot a solo episode of my podcast because I started doing uh, this thing called Miracle Morning. So I'm like, I'm six hours into my day right now. I've been crushing it since like five, four or five this morning. Um, how are you doing? Man, I'm loving it. I'm crushing it too. I had my monthly meeting with my good friend and uh, business partner, Rick Sapio this morning. And I think you've had Rick on your show, high energy, intentional so we've been we we started hitting at seven here in a in a rainstorm in Dallas, but it's great to be on with you. Oh man, Sapio, what a what a freaking savage beast! I love that man. What I a gem! Last... <laughs> I just hung out with him. I hung out with him here in Austin for like accidentally last week. So good to hear that. Um, so uh, if you don't mind, I want to do a little bit of housekeeping and then we'll get started. Does that work for you? Sure. Perfect. Well, Good. listen, so for, for, for listeners who are new to the show, The Greatness Machine, we're about two things. People are living their passions and those creating greatness despite the odds. And my man, Sean, here is neither short of passion nor greatness. So I'm super excited to have him on the show. Um, we've been running in circles, you know, probably unbeknownst to both of us for a long time. Um, but I want to, if you don't mind, Sean, I'd love to give a little bit of background on how we, the, the time, the first time we met and then, and then we can kind of go into the more formal stuff. Do you mind if we do that? Please. No, that vision is indelibly inked in my brain. <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't know how many humans on earth probably say that about me, but I, I'm, I'm guess it's a large number. Um, I, I, so here's, here's a little background story. So we were just talking about Rick Sapio a moment ago. And Rick, um, we have an episode actually coming out with Rick soon here. And Rick is a good friend of mine from Gathering of Titans. He's the founder of Gathering of Titans, the MIT program that I'm involved with that we talked about on the show. And, um, and he is really good friends with Rand Stegan. And Rand, as as you've heard me talk about in the past, is a mentor of mine and friend. And uh, and it was a like springish, early summerish, like twenty twenty. And Rick's like, hey, there is. Uh, you know, Rick talks like this. He's like, he's like, hey, I want you to, I want you to do something for Rand for his birthday. So it's Rand's fiftieth. We're in the middle of COVID. Everyone's kind of on lockdown. And I said, hey, I have a good idea why don't I get dressed up in a hazmat suit? Cause he, you guys are renting a house out near the lake river and I'm going to show up in a hazmat suit at his 50th birthday to surprise him. And so Rick just thought this was like the funniest thing on earth. And so I, and by the way, buying a hazmat suit is, is, is an endeavor in of itself. Um, but I did find a, I, I used a painter's suit, <laughs> which is like a head to toe white thing. I got swimming goggles and then I got like a N95 mask. 
And uh, and I show up at this birthday party, unbeknownst to me, the, the shenanigans that had been happening the night before, with full blown hazmat suit and a stack of twenty of my books for to give as gifts for all the, the members of the party. And upon showing up, first of all, Rand cracked up. He thought it was really really funny. Um, but but I got to talking to this really cool guy, Sean McGinnis, who at that point you were the um, you were running uh, YPO, and we'll be talking about that Correct. in a second. Um, and and we had a great conversation and found out we had a bunch of mutual friends. I'm like, man, I really like that guy. And um, and so that was how we met, man. How did that feel to meet me in that moment in my hazmat glory? It was surreal. It was quite bizarre when you're in the middle of nowhere on a river in a log cabin. And <laughs> this <laughs> kind of otherworldly person arrives. <laughs> but it really was fantastic because it set the tone. We had an amazing dinner the previous night and, you know, we were we were going to go and hang out and just float down the river on tubes that day. And and so you coming and meeting you, it set, it set a really nice tone and typical Rand, right? There's always some kind of learning benefit, deep immersion in the grander purposes of life. And uh, so you were the springboard that day for those activities. So thank you. Um, oh, the pleasure was more than mine. <laughs> um, so um, if you don't mind, Sean, I'm going to, I always like to give the origin story of how we met. And then, and yep. then uh, when, when, when I have the ability to do that, sometimes I guess I don't, but, um, but I want to give your formal bio. So, so uh, for listeners of the show, Sean is, is no slouch. Um, he, he's currently the CEO of uh, mutual capital Alliance, which um, we, we, is, is you working with, with Rick Sapio over there? It's a 29 year old private uh, holding company, multifaceted, multi uh, financial services firm. Um, prior to that, though, you you've really spent your your lifetime lifetime specialized in scaling professional services firms, and you did so in the past as past global president and CEO of YPO Young Presidents Organization, which is one of the largest global organizations in the world supporting executives, entrepreneurs, and CEOs. Um, you also founded two peer-to-peer membership communities and led an award-winning global team of CEO coaches as company president. And I just found this out right before the show. You're also the past international global president of Entrepreneurs Organization, which is a global organization. I'm, I've been a member for a long time. So, man, you've had your hands in so many other things. I'm, that's just kind of skimming the surface. But you've really had your hands in, in a lot of the pots of these, these what, what some would call like these world-changing organizations. Um, I'd love if you don't mind, Sean, to kind of kind of give us a little bit of your backstory. Like, obviously, you didn't wake up one morning and end up, you know, global presidents of these big organizations. I'd love to hear kind of what got you to where you ended up. Yeah, thank you. And um, you know, I look back on some of this, uh, and and just hearing you say it, I sort of get goosebumps because I I live in the present, or I try to live in the present, not in the past. And but when you kind of take a a retrospective, which I think is always important to do. And our friend Rand Stegen teaches us to kind of use history and use the past as a as a good measuring stick and, and some lessons. But, you know, I grew up in South Africa. Um, both my parents were entrepreneurs. Um, and I went to work for, um, after university and, and being in the military, in the infantry, I went to work for one of South Africa's top entrepreneurs. That's how I would characterize him. He was an immigrant to South Africa from the island of Mauritius. And he created an extraordinary number of companies. His, his mainstay business was in ag, ag chem, agricultural chemicals, fertilizers, uh, selling farm implements. Uh, he then got into hospitality, hotels, um, vineyards. Um, he had a pressure sensitive tape adhesive manufacturing business and kind of a Procter & Gamble type business. So very sort of diverse businesses. What, what blew me away about him, Darius, was one, he backed horses. He was a great thoroughbred horse breeder and uh, race guy until the day he died, which was quite actually quite recently and sadly uh, in his very late 80s. Um, but what I got from him, his name was Robert Maingard. What I got from Robert was two things. One, passionate belief in his ability to make a difference in whatever he touched. I mean, that was it. And then secondly, picking the right people to be in the boat and on the journey with him. I happen to be the the beneficiary of being picked to kind of be mentored by him. And that's how it started. Um, and he really lit the fire in me for my own, um, let's say, 
journey in, in entrepreneurship. I worked through several of his companies. I basically got dumped in the middle of the largest city in South Africa in a factory. He said, you're going to be on the factory floor from four o'clock every morning for six months. You're going to learn how we do things. And I just come fresh out of university. He thought I knew a few things. You know, I thought he was my buddy. And I had to make eggs and bacon for the factory managers every morning for six months. <laughs> wow, really? Like you seriously? Yeah, really. <laughs> oh, yeah. I love that. And, and I was regarded as the management trainee. So the joke, you know, was I had to get connected to these guys. But these are hardcore, core, hardworking, talented, blue-collar workers. And they were not going to put up with some, you know, toffee-nosed punk that had just come out of university. But luckily, I'd had the benefit of, of having my backside kicked in the military, ended up being a section leader in the infantry. So I didn't come with um, no skills in terms of dealing with people, but it was very sobering. And 90% of the factory staff, you know, had miles to come. They were, you know, disadvantaged. Um, and they came to work every day, you know, to make a buck. Um, and I learned the importance of leadership, showing up, being there, uh, counting stock, uh, and just sweeping the floors, you know, creating the environment for, you know, a business to be successful, you know, in a kind of grimy manufacturing setting. Then I went to industrial sales as part of my six months, and the same thing happened. They gave me a big, in those days we had these, um, you know, big metal drawers, and in them were these card folders of defunct accounts, names, what they purchased, the margins, and they said to me, see if you can resuscitate these. I wasn't a permanent sales guy, so I wasn't incented in the same basis. And in my second month, um, I went and called on a major agricultural co-op, was able to speak the language, Afrikaans, which is the Dutch derivative, and uh, found out that they were about to go out for an RFP for their large five-year purchase of tape, uh, different types of adhesive tapes. And I put in a bid and I connected with the guy. We went out for a few beers. We both loved rugby. And he said, listen, I can't give you the whole account, but would $100,000 be good? <laughs> and so I said, yeah. <laughs> and, nice. you know, ended up closing, closing a deal. Um, and so those were, Robert was enabled me to go from, from that business. Then I went into um, another business that he had. And then I went on to the retail side of his practice. And literally he would drop me in to help solve problems and learn um, as a way to kind of round out my skill set, and then inspired me to start my own business, which I decided to do, but I also decided to do it in a foreign country and I went to Canada and started my first company. Wow. So let, let me just take a step back here. So how, wait, how did you meet him again? This was this, I mean, it sounds like you're um, kind of a mentor. I was, mentor high school, I was at high school with his son and um, we were, we were both Catholics, Robert, we would see him at church every Sunday, Carl and I, and, and the family were good friends. Um, and, you know, around the dining room table, we'd get to know each other. And Robert kind of followed me from, from a 14-year-old, 13-year-old. And then when I got through the military and got through university, he literally called me up one day and said, what are you planning on doing? Um, I said, well, I think I'm going to be a psychologist. He said, you're crazy. <laughs> <laughs> what do you want to do that for? He yeah. said, you've got a real talent for people. You've got a talent for connecting dots. You've got a talent. You're energetic. Would you consider business and entrepreneurship and uh and he gave me a break. And, um, you know, it was funny when I, he threw my, my going away party, um, you know, and I think he was disappointed that I wasn't staying to kind of see the course through with him. But at the same time, he was very encouraging. Um, he, he became almost like a father figure. And when at the party, he gave a speech and he said, um, I'm really proud of you, but this is a big thing that you're doing. I did it from Mauritius to South Africa. You're going to Canada. You've never been to Canada. You have no idea what the business environment is like. Um, he said, here's a hundred dollar bill. And in fact, if you, if you were with me, um, I have my wallet. I still have that hundred dollar bill. Wow. Which I, which I carry with me. Um, and um, he said, listen, in the event you start eating rocks, here's a hundred dollar bill, but promise me you're not going to spend it unless you absolutely have to. And I still carry that hundred dollar bill with me today. Um, and it's, uh, it's here and <clears throat> I'm reminded, I'm reminded of, of Robert Mangard every time, every time I see it. 
and um, it, it, he remained he he remained throughout his life and uh, you know my life to date uh, just I mean an inspiration and like all of us you know none of us is perfect um, he had his quirks and he was sometimes difficult to uh, to work with but without him I don't think uh, he was my catalyst and so the bottom line for me is that lesson. Uh, and we'll talk about EO hopefully in a bit, but that lesson then inspired me to be a catalyst for growth, success, um, happiness, development of other people. And I've carried that with me throughout my whole life. That's, I love that story, man. So, so you ended up immigrating to Canada. What, where in Canada did you immigrate to? What's what, I went what's to, you know, here's another weird thing about me. I'm very eclectic. I'm sort of a, I don't know, maybe a throwback to a combination of, um, um, you know, the old adventurer, but also somebody that likes environment and, and a beautiful place to live. So I went to Vancouver um, and I lived in a, in a little one, one room um, under a widower's house uh, in um, North Vancouver in a little town called Deep Cove, the most heavenly, beautiful part of the world that you can imagine. Picture these pine trees coming down mountains directly into sort of a fjord, a uh, little tiny village. Uh, there was a little one donut shop. There was a pizza joint. Um, and I, it was the start of the Baden-Powell Trail that connected up and goes up to Whistler. Um, and it was a great six months to spend as my sort of first foray. But very quickly found out that Vancouver wasn't the center of business decision-making uh, in Canada. And I'd acquired the rights to sell uh, a suite of psychometric tests like Myers-Briggs and DISC and working memory, those types of things. And I, I then, you know, made the decision, the business decision to go to Toronto. And I ended up spending nine years there uh, building a business. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. In the world of successful partnerships, names like Procter & Gamble, Ben & Jerry, and Supply & Demand echo through business history. But when it comes to growing your business, who are the perfect partners? That's you and Shopify. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. We're talking from launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage, all the way to the, did we hit a million dollar order stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling shipping supplies or promoting productivity programs, Shopify helps you sell everywhere from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system, wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout up to 36% better compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Picture this, a time when my business was facing a tough hurdle and I wasn't sure how to break through. But then came the breakthrough moment, a game changer that took my business to the next level. You know, what I absolutely adore about Shopify is its unparalleled ability to adapt and grow with your ambitions. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklyn, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 75 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning help is there to support your success every step of the way because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Darius, all lowercase. That's D-A-R-I-U-S. Go to shopify.com slash Darius now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Darius. Shout out to Clarity for supporting this episode and providing us with the samples. Hey there, friends. It's Darius from Shazda here, and I have a little confession to make. You see, I've been battling allergies for years now. And let me tell you, They've been a real ordeal in my life. Allergies have been my constant companion. They stop me from fully enjoying the little things in life, canceling plans with friends because of sudden allergy attack to missing out on an outdoor activity because of sneezing fits. Allergies have been a real nuisance. Luckily, for those of us who live with symptoms of allergies, we can live Claritin clear with Claritin D. This double action combination of prescription strength allergy medicine and the best decongestant available relieves sneezing and a runny nose itchy, watery eyes, an itchy nose and throat, and sinus congestion and pressure with ease. I've been a Claritin D user for many, many years now, and let me tell you, it's made a world of difference. Since I started using Claritin D, my symptoms have improved dramatically. Now, I can breathe easier, enjoy outdoor activities without worrying about sneezing fits, and truly live my life without being held back by allergies. Ready to live as if you don't have allergies, it's time to live Claritin Clear. 
Fast and Powerful Relief is just a quick trip away. Find Claritin D at the pharmacy counter. Ask for Claritin D at your local pharmacy counter now. You don't even need a prescription. Go to ClaritinD.com right now for a discount so you can live Claritin clear, uses directed. Did you, now I know obviously, and this is totally an ignorant question, I'm guessing. So is, did you speak English like fluently at that point when you moved to Canada? Or I did speak English fluently. Rick Sapia says I'm actually from Hoboken, New Jersey, and I practice this fake English accent every day. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's amazing. (laughs) Hey, Sean, give it up. Talk like where you're really from. He does it in such a funny way. He says, how now, brown cow? He says, you probably look at yourself in the mirror and do that every day. <laughs> oh, man. But no, I spoke English fluently. And, you know, I was, I, I, I was fortunate to have um, some family contacts, South Africans that had immigrated to uh, Canada. Um, Phil Patton, um, a great guy. And his father-in-law, um, his father-in-law, John, was in my dad's class at university. Um, uh, they, they were doing their accounting degrees. Uh, John Patton was his name. Um, and that's kind of a theme in my life. I've been so blessed, Darius, with people helping me on my journey. Um, you know, and, and I guess it, it's a two-way street because you have to be in a position, mental position, framework to accept help from other people. I know a lot of people that have ground their way to success, um, but they've done it heroically on their own. And I sometimes wonder how much more successful, effective, well-rounded they'd be if they allowed people into their lives to help them. Yeah. So what do you think? Like, do you think that that's something like a learned skill, intuitive? Like, what do you think gets people to open up to that? You know, I think it's, a, it's, it's about trust. Um, and I think to the extent that you can develop trusted relationships early, right from the time you're a kiddo, right at nursery school and through middle school and high school, so much of, of I think, our capacity and our potential revolves around early childhood education and, and how we're treated and what opportunities are given to us, you know, both to be independent, to make mistakes. Um, you know, we've come through, I think, an environment here for the last 20 years, maybe 15 where we've kind of put cotton wool and bandages around our kids. And, you know, we've done the helicopter parenting thing. And we've been to blame a little bit for that. But we decided early on to send my daughter to a Montessori school and then an international baccalaureate program, mainly because we wanted her to be as independent, as academically accomplished based on her capacity and, and, you know, level, but to be an independent, critical, free thinker um, and to respect other people and boundaries. And so all of those things come together. And if we can create conditions for our children, you know, and I look at, I look at some, having lived in different countries, but, you know, well-off countries like we blessed to live in, in the United States, and then countries like Africa, where, you know, poverty and um, the inability to read and write is rife, um, crime, you know, all these various elements, social elements, I think our big driver should be to create conditions in early childhood development around education and support and care. I think that makes for a better world. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree. I, I read a great book, um, Grit by Angela Duckworth. You read that book before? I haven't. No. Uh, it's a great book. So she talks, she's a, a behavioral psychologist out of Penn, uh, UPenn, and it's, and it's around how do we develop grit? Right, it's a study. Oh of yes, no, I have. I, I, I've, I, I haven't actually read the whole thing, but I know exactly what you're talking about. It is yeah, about was, grit. Yeah, it's, it, and yeah, because really, what you're—that's what I heard at least. You know, what you just said was, how do we develop grit in ourselves? How do we develop grit in our children? And I, and uh, you know, you grew up in you know Africa and South Africa, which the, the, just even even if you grew up in the wealthiest part of that, it's still the environment there has uncertainty baked into it and and there was apartheid that got you know a total revolution of the of what happened from changing of the government there so oh yeah uh, you know i look at like that environment is rife with instability that you are 
around, right? And 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 I grew up where my dad was a you know my family immigrated, you know, forced immigration to the United States because they took hostages in uh, the embassy in Iran, and yes, and we yes. were li- we were we were living blocks away from that when that went down. And my mother is American, and my dad and mom felt like it was unsafe to be there, and they literally like within like weeks like were forced to leave their home and their country um, to come to the United States with like, not by like the, it wasn't like a planned trip. It was like a forced trip. Right. And so I think that we've hit this really long period of stability in the world that one would, people will argue now that it's very unstable, but, but we have the longest period of peace in the world or in the United States, at least non-wartime period, eighties, nineties, you know, up until really nine 11. And and I think people got comfortable, man. And I think people... I think have... people have got comfortable. And I think it's so important what you're saying, is so because what I hear in your telling, and I hope what your listeners and you hear in mine, is I've been the beneficiary of extraordinarily... Uh, I've been very lucky and I've been the beneficiary of so much, both in terms of opportunity, knowledge, learning. Yes, does it take grit? Yes. All of those things, you have to wake up in the morning, you actually have to do it. But we've been the beneficiaries. And Rand Stegen has this very, really interesting concept where he says, locate yourself on the arc of time. Recognize that you're a beneficiary of a lot of work, thousands of years worth of evolution. We've been the beneficiary of 20 years of phenomenal things. But if you look at our responsibilities now, I look at myself as what are my responsibilities now? You know, I've got responsibilities to shareholders. I've got responsibilities to my daily tasks, what I've signed up for, et cetera, accountabilities. But what is my responsibility as a global citizen, a citizen of the United States, an immigrant, um, obligations to my wife, my child, my community? And I, I think that comes with perspective. So many people spend a lot of time just focusing on survival, and that's appropriate if survival is all you need to do to make ends meet, to put food on the table, to, you know, not go hungry. Once you've established yourself, um, I think you've got to leave room for how can you make a difference, either in somebody's life, a community's life, your business's life. You and I were talking um, about how you brought the concept of forum, which is almost like a mastermind group, into your business of a thousand employees or 500 at the time, and how that had an impact. And by helping people just be authentically themselves and be in a safe environment where they can share concerns, weaknesses, potential failures, um, ideas, collaboration. In order to kind of take our societies to the next level, I think all of us, and I'm speaking for myself, um, I personally feel responsible for being a catalyst for a deeper purpose for people in life, for their success, for them developing meaning and their own success, whether that's financial, whether it's esoteric, whether it's you're going to be a, you know, a script writer, whatever it may be. Um, and I don't want to go down a rabbit trail here, but, you know, we're, we're in, we're literally only here for, you know, God willing for 80, 90 years of productivity. Um, and so anchoring, I anchor myself in that. And then I look back and I say, because you can get trapped in, oh, woe is me, I don't have enough, my car's not big enough, you know, I don't have the yacht, but maybe I want the yacht. That's all well and good. And I'm not saying that those are not motivators and great things to aspire to. But when you think about it, in the context of how we impact and work and collaborate with each other, what's more important? And that's a question I often leave with individuals is what do you want? What do you want your legacy to be? What do you want, you know, if we were sitting uh, back at that little log cabin and we were all together and you in your hazmat suit and I put one on just to be, you know, uh, you know, in communion with you there, what, what do we really want our impact to be in the world? And I don't know if we teach that enough or if we allow ourselves to think that each of us can have a significant impact in whatever area we decide to take on. That's truly beneficial to both ourselves and to society and to the planet in general. Yeah. Well, I think, I think uh, obviously it comes from how you're, you're resonating at a high level right now, which is around this idea of consciousness and being a part of a, a greater whole. Right. Yeah. Um, 
and, and, and I, and I feel you, I talk about all the time. I'm a conscious leader and, and it's, I, I, I think it's, how do we, I, I think it's what you're talking about. It's, it's, and I have a friend, I don't, do you know, Yannick Silver? You're friends with I him? know who he is. I don't know him well. He, he runs Maverick, uh, was it Maverick 1000? Um, and he's a protege of Richard Branson. And he, and if you ask him his purpose in life, he's a, to, for my candle to light a thousand candles. Right. And so yes. it's, it's around this idea of enlightening people, lightning, lighting others up to, to be their best self. Uh, I want to, I want to take a step back because, you know, obviously you've, you, you've elevated into these realms of running EO and running YPO and, 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 and running these global organizations, um, how did that come to be? Because, you know, I'm assuming you, you were an entrepreneur, you, you were running this business in Canada. How did that lead to getting involved with these global organizations? I'd love to hear how that transpired because that's not normal first and foremost. No, and, so and, and it's I, not a traditional path. No, I got called out of the blue by um, a young guy. His name was Rob Safrada um, out of Vancouver, Canada. And he had got my name from, a, you know, I guess the yellow pages as the owner of a business in Canada and him and Peter Thomas, who was the founder of century 21 in Canada, who was for many years, the chairman emeritus of EO, Peter was a YPO and him and a group of YPOs were working with this baby group called YEO young entrepreneurs organization, which became EO. And they were looking to have people start chapters around all the major cities in Canada, the U S um, Central and South America to begin with. And EO only at that time had 300 members. Um, and I got invited to this dinner at the Four Seasons Hotel. And the guest speaker was Izzy Sharp, who was the founder. Now, when you're a young business guy in Canada, you know who Izzy Sharp is. I mean, the Four Seasons, arguably one of the best hotel brands in the world, started from nothing, one small little inn just outside Toronto and, you know, built a, a global a global brand, arguably the finest still in the world. And so I went to this dinner and Peter spoke and then Izzy Sharp gave his remarks. And then um, they handed out this little card and they said, fill, it, fill this in if you're interested. Um, we're putting together these groups of entrepreneurs across the country and to learn from each other and to help each other build and grow their businesses themselves and their own you know, personal success. And I'd never heard of anything like that before. And I thought, this is fantastic. I show up, I can learn. I don't have to go to university. It's not, you know, it's not academic. And then they said, at the end of the dinner, collected the cards and said, okay, we're having a formal lunch tomorrow at the Granite Club. Um, and there was eight of us, I think, or seven of us um, that had signed up and given our credit card numbers. And we're going to tell you how it's going to work formally. Cheers. Good night. Turned up the next day for lunch. And Peter immediately said, Sean, you're the learning chair. Uh, Jeff, you're the chapter chair. Um, <coughs> um, uh, King, you're the XYZ chair. And I was like, did I just, did something just weird happen? <laughs> I've just paid a thousand bucks to join EO. And now I actually have to build the chapter, do the work, find the speakers uh, and run it as a volunteer. And I thought, oh man. Let me think about this. You know, can I get my, can I get the card back? Peter was like, no, we've run your credit card. You're in. <laughs> um, and seriously, that's how it went down. And uh, so a core group of us were the founding um, chapter members of the Toronto chapter. And it was the best thing that I've ever done. Um, one, I was in an amazing forum with a very eclectic group, non-competing companies, um, and I learned instantly overnight from the experience sharing of the others. Um, it got me to think about my business very differently. Got, to think, got me to think about my personal growth and development very differently. I was a young man. I was 26 years old. And um, it, it, was, it was the best thing I ever did. And here's the weird thing. Six months before when I went to Vancouver, I'd been, I loved boats and the water and I'd been walking around a marina and I saw this beautiful boat and it had the spirit of Thomas was the name of it. My company was called Thomas International. Um, I then meet Peter Thomas and I said to him, Peter, is that your boat? He said, yeah, that's my boat. He said, how do you know I've got a boat in Vancouver? And I, I had a Polaroid picture of myself, a selfie back in the day with the Polaroid with the boat. I still got it. Um, <laughs> and that's the weaving. So that's how I started. Um, 
And then I got very involved in um, in leadership. I, I was asked to, in fact, go down to Dallas to the YPO global head office and spend a week um, with this amazing woman, Maria Johnson. She ran forum for YPO at the time. One week with Maria, all of the forum manuals, everything was big, three ring binders. Uh, they had a whole bunch of forum facilitators, independent third parties, and they gifted it to uh, to YEO. A gift oh, wow. forum to YPO, from YPO to EO. And I took all the manuals back to my office and I had a person in my office manually word process all those manuals onto disks. Um, and then we sort of cut it down um, and we launched it within um, more formally and more fully. We had used elements of forum, but we really then developed our own um, tweak, you know, very minor tweaks. But that, that got me going. Um, and when I saw the impact of peer-to-peer sharing, and I saw the impact of learning business from other entrepreneurs who were at different stages, maybe similar things, selling a business, buying a business, getting out of bankruptcy, having a divorce, you know, having, you know, a, a key colleague die, um, you know, being super successful and then not managing money correctly, drugs, addiction, the, really the whole element of life, you know, plays out in, in every community. But seeing that within the community of we're here to help each other blew my mind and it, and it created a lifelong passion for me to participate, give back and help these organizations. At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com wonder. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So when you, so um, first of all, I didn't realize that the amount of effort YPO gave to helping EO, YEO, which is now EO, come to be. So it sounds like this was that they really leveraged YPO in the early days. Is that, yeah, is that, they that did. True? Peter, Peter Thomas went out and recruited a bunch of YPO members around the world. Actually, I, I had another benefit from 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 EO for me was my wife was the founding member of the EO Mexico City chapter, and her dad was a YPO, and and he was tapped by Peter to start uh, EO chapters throughout Mexico, Central and South America. And Maria literally opened up, you know, I don't know, maybe 10 or 12 chapters in that region. This is early days. Um, and then she got on the on the EO board before I did. But I met as a, I was doing a board project and I met Maria in 1995. Um, we started dating in 97 and we got married in 1999. So I married an entrepreneur and, and probably, not probably, the single greatest benefit was, um, was you know, meeting my life partner. Yeah, that's amazing. So um, so sounds like you got really involved in, in EO. How yep. did, did that segue into you getting involved in YPO? Tell us a little bit about that. So I always aspired to uh, qualifying my business for, uh, for YPO. And you know, I sold my um, EO qualifying business in um, 2003, a successful sale and exit. Learned a lot from that. After, by the way, it was the second sale. I sold it to a publicly traded company in Canada, then bought it back, then sold it again finally. Um, and then I qualified my business um, with a company that I was involved with building low-income housing in Mexico. But I'd always wanted to take that next step. Um, not because I'd, I'd grown EO, but because for me, the next trajectory for me was, you know, 
learning more from a different group of people. I maintained dual membership for a period of time. And but when my business qualified for YPO, I applied for membership. Um, that was late nine, uh, 2006. And then I became a very active member of, of a brand new chapter created in Dallas. There were two chapters. We created a third. And in fact, Rand was very instrumental in helping us coalesce around a, a vision for that chapter, which was kind of different from the other chapters. We were we wanted to be very entrepreneurial. We wanted to be very eclectic, spiky, we called it, um, and very diverse. So, you know, we went from, tip, you know, what you would see as very sort of homogenous previous YPO chapters to a very diverse, very inclusive men, women, different, um, you know, different people from different cultures, races, etc. Um, and that was phenomenal. I joined when they had about 30 members, got on the board, became very active there. Um, and, you know, again, just got so much out of it. Um, at that particular point in time, I was, um, I was hit with the financial crisis of 2008. And for the first time in my career, I had to shut a business down. Uh, had not had that experience. You know, we were going, we were going and blowing about a hundred million dollar revolver with a major bank, and the bank went out of business in two weeks. Imagine your bank going out of business in two weeks. I I, I, I was a subprime mortgage lender, so I, I had a lot of. <laughs> I mean, you I, I don't, have to, I don't have to imagine that. that yeah, all my all my all my um, all my um, suppliers went out of business in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> in a matter of like three weeks. <laughs> no, listen, we, we, we didn't have lawsuits. We worked our way out of it. It was disappointing. We had a tiger by the tail. It was it was phenomenal business model. And it could have been it could have been game changing, but you know, listen, you roll with the punches. Um and if it wasn't actually for YPO, my forum at the time, and access to a network. I may have just buried my head in the sand and, and gone, oh, woe is me. And, you know, the world is over. But I didn't. And and my wife, at exactly the same time, was building high, high-end, second home, luxury homes in Mexico at the same time and had exactly the same situation. So you've got... Oh, two in 08, she was doing this. In 08. Oh, ouch. Yes, yes. Yeah, wow. so both of us both of us had to get into transformation, regeneration, rebuild mode. And because of the lessons that we'd learned, because we'd seen this countless other times with entrepreneurs in EO and YPO who literally had just picked themselves up by their bootstraps, said, okay, that didn't work. You know, certain things were in our control. In this particular instance, 99% were out of our control. What do we do next? And we didn't, you know, we didn't, you know, take time off. We we both pivoted. We got going, um, you know, and and it was a it was a one of those pivotal sort of things in life where you you just you learn so much, but there was a confidence that we had the support, we had the opportunities, and we had the capability to reinvent ourselves, and and we and we did it. I love that man. And so um, after that, it, I guess I'm, I'm assuming part of that reinvention was you getting involved at, in, at YPO and not just as a member but or a volunteer, but actually as a leader, as an actual you know, paid leader. Tell us about that a little bit. Yeah. You know, I obviously during that period of time, 08 to 013, I'd started a little consultancy. You know, I was building myself back up. I was still very actively volunteering. YPO tapped me on the shoulder and asked me to redesign um, with a, a, a team at YPO the chapter officer education materials. So when you're in EO YPO and, you, and you're on the board, you go to a global leadership conference, you get taught how to do your volunteer role. So I repackaged, um, we repackaged all of that material. We synthesized it. We developed um, a learning management system, eBooks. That was about a one and a half year project. Volunteers. I led it as a volunteer. Um, worked with an amazing woman by the name of um, uh, Julie Chipman uh, Graham. Um, just a very, very talented individual and, and, a, and a group of, of vendors. And as a result of that, um, I got invited to run hospitality. Again, my friend Rand was very involved. Him and I, um, I brought Rand in and we ran hospitality for the 
at that stage, the first of the new era of the giant YPO leadership events was in Denver, Colorado. Rand and I put together um, a, a whole methodology for um, hosting and creating an experience that people would leave and go, what just happened? That was the best experience that I could ever imagine. And we worked on that for over a year. Um, and every morning we would, um, we would do a, um, an intentional uh, statement. Um, anyway, from there, I got invited to then chair the first global leadership conference in Singapore. Um, and then they invited me to follow that up the, a year later with the, the next iteration in um, Istanbul. So as a result of that volunteering, I guess I got um, noticed by the board noticed by um, Scott Mordell, the CEO, and I was invited to come on board as the chief operating officer at the time um, and really help transform the organization, um, reboot several departments, um, energize networks, which was very new at the time. And a couple of years prior, we just integrated with our alumni group, the World Presidents Organization, which was run separately. And we were still kind of doing the integration focusing on retention and stakeholder engagement and making sure that there was value for members. And that was my primary role. So I had all the member facing departments. I had forum, I had learning, I had networks, I had all of membership and I had all of the chapter, um, chapter management uh, structures and loved it. Um, you know, every day was, um, was an adventure. I enjoyed building teams and seeing people flourish and, um, you know, we had a, I was part of a 10 year, 10 year journey that the CEO, Scott Mordell was on. Uh, and I was an integral part of seven and a half years of that. Um, and given a lot of room, talk about a, a really two in a box partnership. Um, Scott spending a lot of his time, you know, with the board on strategy, finance, HR, and me running, you know, let's just say the, the, the engine, you know, two thirds of, of the P&L. Um, all of the events, all of the experiences, and having this, yeah. having this passion that came from being the beneficiary of so much value. You know, I was. I, this is the other thing. You know, that I've learned is, if you have a why and you're really clear on your why and you're purpose driven, you can find a business or an environment that is at least 90 percent aligned to that then you don't struggle to get out of bed in the morning. There's no lack of ideas or enthusiasm. And so that was a phenomenal uh, gift to have the honor of, of spending seven, close to seven and a half years participating in that stage of YPO's evolution. Um, it, was, it was magic. It was a magical period. So, so let me ask you this, because, uh, you know, obviously having been an entrepreneur and had these really crazy, amazing experiences, probably some of the highest highs, lowest lows, and then also spending a lot of time both as a volunteer and as a non-volunteer, um, you know, global leader at two of the largest, you know, organizations for entrepreneurs and executives in the world, YPO and EO. What yeah. would you say, you know, like for you, like to, to be at that global level. And I think a lot of our listeners are at least, forget about our listeners me right now i'm gonna i'm gonna I, one of the best things about having the show is i just could ask questions i want to know the answer to um <laughs> sorry listeners you know i'm selfish sorry listeners. <laughs> uh, uh, um yeah i always say i'm like i do this show for me um and so like people that want to make that global impact right that want to actually elevate to those global levels but maybe they're not global right now like what would be advice you would give them having you having kind of done both where you were working in the business and then, but you had these global, uh, you know, opportunities, what would be a way for someone like a Darius that says, Hey, I want to make global impact. What would be a way, what would be your best advice for someone like myself? I would find a community, whether it's, um, you know, whether it's a business community, whether it's a, you know, a group that, you know, you've got some unique subject matter expertise in or area of strong interest. And, you know, join a group that that's more than just you. And it could be just at the local city level. There may be, you know, there may be, um, you know, an opportunity to join, whether it's the chamber. I, the Chamber of Commerce is a great place, but something where there's community, where your impact is not just on a one-to-one -one basis, but it's on a one-to-many. And then obviously back to you, many-to-one. And there are many, many organizations today that are like that. 
So the, the spin-off of groups like YPO and EO, and I'm talking about the nonprofit world, because you can go and join a for-profit organization and get great value like a Vistage or a Chief or some of these other mastermind groups that are out there that are very, very valuable. I've started two of them uh, on a for-profit basis that are great. Um, so I'll give you an example, a prime example. Some of your listeners, you know, they may not be entrepreneurs. They may be a great executive assistant that is pivotal in the life of the CEO that they're supporting. I started a group with my EA of nine years. Jackie Ludwig started a group called Lumini, which is for executive assistants to learn and grow from each other and learn best practices and evolve and develop. And it has taken off. I mean, it is phenomenal. So join a group join a community, be prepared to give back. I learned right from the word go from Peter Thomas, do not expect to get anything in return unless the first thing that you're prepared to do is give back first, do something first. And so I got hooked on that and I've seen it work. And I'm not saying it's wrong just to be a passenger and, you know, you can take various things. There are many, many, many people that I've met over my career um, and in the ranks of EO and YPO that participate wonderfully in their forum and in their chapter, but they don't get involved in, in giving back and, and being part of the sort of growth and the, and the innovation side of the business. And that's fine. Absolutely fine. Find your place, find a community where you can give back. And I guarantee you, you'll get way more by factors of 10x than you put in. And, you know, I found a group because I was an entrepreneur. I found a peer group that really called to me. Yours may be different. You may want to join a group of, you know, there's a young man in New York that I've been mentoring that's got a, a peer organization of forums virtual that he's just started um, for product managers within the tech world. You know, that's a phenomenal group. That's an important group of people. And so those are his people. He wants to help those people be the best that they can possibly be and contribute to each other by sharing their, their combined experiences. Find a group. I'm very involved now with a group called the Young Catholic Professionals because I'm a faith-based individual. And with my experience in EO and YPO, we've got 30 chapters now in the U.S. for young adult Catholics, Christians, who want to get together but who want to be mentored by business people and by other professionals who are leading ethical conscious lives. So there that, are yeah. these groups that are out there. Just find one that are your peeps or start one. What's wrong with starting a group of people, having them come over to your house or your apartment or, you know, meet somewhere where you can authentically discuss, you know, what's happening for you. Top things that are going on in your life, not so great things that are going on in your life, things that are great in business, things that are not great in business. And what I love most about the experience we've both had is that our experience sharing is done in, a, in an environment of confidentiality where you're not going to be disadvantaged by somebody sharing out of school or out of turn something that could come back as a negative on you. And that's another important thing. If you find something, make sure it's an environment that's ethical. Make sure that it's an, an environment that isn't um, taking advantage or being run by people taking advantage of you for their own specific uh, um, mean, their own specific agenda. Yeah, I love it, man. I love the advice, and I love the thought of, you know, of really coming with that uh, that open mind and open heart around giving that that serving mentality, not around like what's in it for me, but 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 what can I give, and then getting getting that return, and, and what I in in, in a more um, I guess servant minded way. And then the second thing I picked up from that was this idea of leverage, right? Where, where we can yes. leverage a global organization or create your own, but it's through this spirit of giving, which which I think is was that was my big takeaway. And, and I really appreciate you sharing that. I know we're, we're running tight on time here and I want to make sure we get to what you're currently doing. Um, so right now you're the CEO of Mutual Capital Alliance. Um, I'd love to hear what you guys are doing over there. I know, you know I, I, well, the, the audience will, will, will want to know. I, I've talked to Rick a lot and I know what you're up to, but, but I'd love yeah. to, for you to kind of talk about this is a, this is a role that you just started in December. Kind of talk to us about your vision for the role at Mutual Capital Alliance. Thank you. You know, it's, it's a 29 year old financial services business, as you indicated in the, at the start, what I'm very passionate about this really just two, two things that we do. 
Rick and I have been involved in either selling, building, um, transforming companies, each of us independently, our whole careers, 30 years. So think of us as kind of a been there, done that entrepreneur, some successes, some failures. And we have started something called the Exit Concierge. We're not an investment bank. And to all the investment banks out there, they play a critical role. What we are is for the entrepreneur that's never sold a business, we become their quarterback. We become the individual on their team that manages in an exit, that manages the investment bank, the accountant, the M&A attorneys. We take the pain out of the um, out of the out of the hands of the the person selling the company. So think about us as sort of a sell side exclusive quarterback when you decide to go to market. And our goals are 100% aligned with yours to get the best transaction value for you that you can possibly get to make sure that post-transaction that everything is handled and that you go on to do what you're doing. And so that's a very difficult process. It sounds easy, but there are multiple steps. Rick has a real gift in this area. And so my goal in the business, support Rick, build a team around him to be the best possible exit process management team out there and help first-time sellers of mid-market private companies get the best value for their transaction. The second thing we do is we have two publicly traded mutual funds. Um, they are a number one in each of their categories. And we're at the inflection point after five years where now the next five years, based on the track record of these funds, we'll, we'll, build, um, we'll build a very, very nice um, series of returns for investors that are looking to preserve capital, grow capital, and mitigate the downside of those risks. So we're not taking wild swings. We're not trying to make them 15, 20, 30%. If we can get an average 12% um, on a risk-adjusted basis where we limit the downside of their investment, that's the strategy behind it. And, you know, quite honestly, you know, we're a low-fee structured group. Um, we don't want to take advantage of investors. We want to help people maximize the return on the money that they've worked hard uh, their entire lives to put together. So we're those are the two things we're doing. And then Rick and I, you know, we're both very committed to helping as many entrepreneurs uh, succeed um, in their goals and dreams um, as possible. We do a lot of speaking engagements. We do a lot of pro bono work. We're still very active, both of us as YPO members. Rick's still in EO. Um, and so we want to do well while doing good now in this next phase of our lives because, you know, we've, we're crossing into sort of, you know, the, the latter stages, you know, we're, we're both over midlife. Um, God willing, we'll live for as long as we can and, and keep our impact going. Love it, man. So two, so, so, so two quick questions. And then I have, we, we always like to end the show with the, with the same question, but um, is, is one of the uh, mutual funds that VICEX, yes. the, the ticker. So, so, so tell us about that. Cause I know it's a kind of a cool story. I'd love to hear just a quick, quick it is little a cool snippet story. Of so, you know, um, that particular fund invests in stocks like casinos, alcohol, um, you know, military um, equipment, fighter jets, those types of products, which have kind of fallen out of favor, but these are fantastically run companies, amazing people that work there. And it's an overlooked category. So, you know, it's a contrarian investment philosophy. And those that fund has done very well. Our new fund, which is called the All Seasons Fund, is kind of based off of the Jim Simon mathematical model where we're buying futures, we're hedging, you know, those futures and we are capping the drawdowns and that is a much more broad-based fund that isn't stock driven and so the the two balance each other out and we have an amazing uh, team of portfolio managers um, who are lifetime uh, one's 40 years old so he's got a long way to go and the other's a little bit older so we've got wise and we've got youth but they're both very skilled and we think that those two categories, plus others, we've got another three or four funds in the pipeline that we think we can add to the portfolio and get up, you know, our goal is to get up to uh, about $5 billion in assets under management in the next five years. I love it, man. Um, my second question, this is another selfish one. So, I, so I'm so i an entrepreneur that built, a, you know, my last company was $200 million in revenue. 
but I was so busy. I didn't join YPO because I was like, oh, I just can't do another group. Yes. And so, and now I don't, now I don't qualify. <laughs> and I'm, yeah, four, I'm 44. A... I'm, I'm 44. So I was like, is, do you have any loopholes for me? If I want to get <laughs> any loopholes, <clears throat> well, you're 44. You've, you've ran, run a very successful business. Um, you meet all the criteria of a great YPOer. Call me and I'll introduce you to somebody that um, will at least have a conversation with you. All right. I check every box except I sold my business before I before I joined YPO. You've got a great business. You know, now you've got your next thing. So you've, you've, you've got some time, by the way. 45 is the cutoff point. So you, let you and I have a conversation. All right, all right. We'll take it offline. All right, last question. So we, we, we <laughs> I'm like, well, hey, I, 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 Man, I have the first... ask in life. I love it. I love the chutzpah. Yeah. I'm not going to not ask. I mean, no, I, I, I want to join YPO. <laughs> yeah. I just, I just, I, I missed the, I, I missed the opportunity. I'm in Tiger 21, but I'm not. I never joined YPO. Um, so Tiger's you know, great group, great company. Yeah, I love Tiger. Um, all right, last question. Um, you know, look here at the Greatness Machine, as I mentioned earlier on the show, we're about people that have lived their passions to create greatness in, in the world, but to do so despite the odds. So the question I always love to end the show with is this question. What is the biggest barrier to greatness that you've overcome in your life? How did you overcome it? And what did you learn from that experience that you wish others could know now? Uh, the biggest barrier for me was believing in myself. Um, I had people tell me, from a very young age, that there was nothing that I couldn't accomplish, starting with my parents. Um, and then I had people tell me, you got to sit in this box with your hands crossed and say, yes, sir, no, sir, three bags full, sir. And so when I recognized that there was very little, but when I put my mind to it that I couldn't accomplish, it just opened up possibilities. And, you know, a lot of that takes awareness, self-awareness. So believing in myself um, was, was, the, was the most important thing, followed by, by having people that believed in me. I'm still in touch, by the way, with my grade three school teacher, who said to my best friend and I one day, we were naughty little buggers, and we were, <laughs> we were given detention one day because we, we pretended to be sick and we skipped a math test. And she sat us down and she said, you know, boys, I love you, firstly, but you've broken a couple of rules. I love the fact that you're energetic and that you're out there and you're making things happen, but just toe the line on these few things and then I'll be your best advocate to support you in whatever you want to do. We're still in touch with her today. We're still getting motivation from her and it's people like that. So surround yourself with people that don't hold you back. And then you won't hold yourself back. But ultimately, it's you. It's here. It starts in here. Believe in yourself. Try and don't be scared to fail. I love it, man. What a, what a, what a badass show. I'm so glad that we got to hang out, Sean. Thank you, man. This is really cool. Love you, Darius. Uh, this is brilliant. Very much so. Right back at you. So, uh, look, um, anyone that wants to learn more about what you guys are doing over at Mutual Capital Alliance or wants to connect with you, what's the best way for them to do so? So if you take a look at mutualcapitalalliance.com, <clears throat> uh, that's the best way to get me. My email is sean at mutualcapitalalliance.com. Um, we'd love to see you. Google me, Google Rick Sapio, um, and we'd, we'd, we'd love to have a conversation. And if we can help in any way, we'd be delighted to. Awesome. Oh man, what a treat. So many gems. Um, I really appreciate having you here. Um, man, thank you so much. So much gratitude, John. Gratitude for you to bring this to the world. You got it, baby. So listen, hey, listeners, if you guys are like getting ready to sell the company or just want to work with a bunch of badasses on that, that incubation stage before you guys go for exit, Mutual Capital Alliance is doing some amazing things. So connect with Sean. Um, look, as leaders, we're givers. So share this with anyone that you think needs to hear it. We all know people that are running amazing companies. These are folks that need to, uh, to really connect with guys like Sean and Rick. Um, and with that said, uh, so much gratitude to you listeners for taking the time to listen to the show, share the show, rate the show, give us reviews, all those good things. And uh, until next time, peace out. We love you guys. You are listening to The Greatness Machine, and that's a wrap for today. Listen, 
If you love what you heard, subscribe to the show on whatever podcast platform that you're tuning in on so that you don't miss any of our future episodes. We have tons of great people coming on and we're, we're stoked to have you here to enjoy it with us. Leave us a review. Tell us what you love most about this particular episode. We love getting the reviews. We love to see what you guys love most. And if this particular episode, you know, made you think of someone who's leveling up in their business and in their life, print screen, share it with them. Leaders are the best givers. And after all, we're all here to support and grow with each other. And in case you want to see some of the fun behind the scenes shots or some of the things that we're doing, I'm actually writing about this in my weekly newsletter. Go to www.therealdarius.com and subscribe to my newsletter. We're talking about fun things like business and life and mindfulness and cryptocurrencies and gosh, I don't even know everything and anything, but it's tons of fun stuff I write about. I try to get it out on a weekly basis. You can subscribe at www.therealdarius.com. And with that said, look, thank you guys so much. I appreciate you. I love you. Peace. We're out of here. See you guys on the next one. This episode is brought to you by the Yap Media Podcast Network. I'm Hala Taha, CEO of the award-winning digital media empire, Yap Media, and host of Yap Young and Profiting Podcast, a number one entrepreneurship and self-improvement podcast where you can listen, learn, and profit. On Young and Profiting Podcast, I interview the brightest minds in the world and I turn their wisdom into actionable advice that you can use in your daily life. Each week, we dive into a new topic like the art of side hustles, how to level up your influence and persuasion and goal setting. I interview A-list guests on Young and Profiting. I've got the best guests, like the world's number one negotiation expert, Chris Voss, Shark, Damon John, serial entrepreneurs, Alex and Layla Hermosi, and even movie stars like Matthew McConaughey. There's absolutely no fluff on my podcast, and that's on purpose. Every episode is jam-packed with advice that's gonna push your life forward. I do my research, I get straight to the point, and I take things really seriously, which is why I'm known as the podcast princess and how I became one of the top podcasters in the world in less than five years. Young and Profiting Podcast is for all ages. Don't let the name fool you. It's an advanced show. As long as you wanna learn and level up, you will be forever young. So join Podcast Royalty and subscribe to Young and Profiting Podcast or Yap, like it's often called by my Yap fam on Apple, Spotify, CastBox or wherever you listen to your podcasts.